Welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This second series of the podcast is presented under the banner of COVID Connections, and I will be chatting with several of the fabulous people with whom my path has crossed over these challenging past 12 months. My guest today is Geraldine Heaney, a curious storyteller who cares about children, play, reading, dancing, music, art, creativity, social justice, equity, kindness, listening, friends, family, silliness, curiosity, people in general, and climate justice. Geraldine readily acknowledges that the more she learns, the less tangible it feels to actually ever really know anything for sure. On a practical level, Geraldine lives in Glasgow, makes films, facilitates workshops, and loves reading and dancing. She also professes to want to know more about physics, amongst a plethora of other fascinating stuff. Welcome to today's edition of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Um, I am in my house, the sun is shining, I have a black coffee. So welcome to my guest, Geraldine. Hello, thanks for having me. Great to chat. Um, So describe your surroundings for us, give us an idea of where you are and what's going on around you. I am in my bedroom in a tenement in Glasgow. Um, I've got lots of colourful pictures on the wall and... I actually um, just spilled a bottle of water all over my bed just before we started doing this. So um, I, I've got like some of that to deal with afterwards. Excellent. <laughs> the dangers of working at home, is it? Nobody tells you things like that when you're, yeah. I think I have actually had one instant of coffee over my keyboard um, and a few of water on the floor. Yeah, thankfully it was just water and it was just that the bottle tipped. So I just, it, it's definitely fine. <laughs> so as this series um, is COVID Connections and Geraldine is another person who um, we've not met in person, um, but we have connected in various uh, online campfires, AOB, um, fairly in-depth discussions about all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, so today we'll... Um, yeah, just explore a few of those, no doubt. Um, but as ever, I invite you to share a quote with us, or whatever words you've brought to start our conversation today. So I've got a quote that's um, from the introduction of a book called Disability Visibility, by, which is like edited by Alice Wong, and it's like a series of um, es- short essays by various different disabled people largely in America but all over the place and I really like this quote because I think it's kind of how I feel about stories and books and um, so it's just a little paragraph I'll just read it storytelling itself is an activity not an object stories are the closet we can come to share are the sorry (laughs) stories are the closest we can come to shared experience like all stories they are the most they are most fundamentally a chance to ride around inside another head and be reminded that being who we are and where we are and doing what we're doing is not the only possibility Ooh, wow that's actually fr- by harriet mcbride johnson from an essay called too late to die nearly true tales from a life so she was a disability activist but i just think it's so brilliant in terms of lots of this idea of stories being a way to offer perspective that you can't experience 
and I think that conversations do a really similar thing for me, like making connections with different people and the importance of trying to listen to other people and, and try and understand different perspectives. Mm. I feel like we've had some conversations over the last year where we haven't agreed and I've really appreciated the the chance to like have that conversation and not just be like, well, Jane doesn't think what I think, so I don't like Jane, and be like, okay, why does Jane think that? Or, oh, how do I feel about that? Or have I not considered some of these things? And I think that's really been, I think, really important this year. Mm, definitely. And I, I love that. And I, I'd not heard that quote before. You hadn't read it before we before we um, spoke. And, you know, for me, stories are, yeah, really powerful in so many ways. And often I think they're underestimated, or I, I sometimes feel like they're underestimated. Um, but as people search for the truth or, or facts or knowledge, but actually if you go back, um, you know, think about caveman times and you can kind of build up this picture of people sat around a fire you know sharing stories of their day or those kind of things and weirdly that's what we've been doing I suppose virtually um, in a strange kind of way and found out so much more about each other than if we were to just introduce ourselves as in a label we choose to give ourselves or that somebody else has given. Yeah I think I feel like stories is such a like I mean, I guess it's it's another one of those words that probably we sort of imagine we have a shared definition of and we actually don't. We all interpret it in lots of different ways. But I, I yeah, I, I've been thinking recently about what, how does, how is storytelling culture changing? Like, and how, because I think it is. And I think there is some of it that feels quite, positive and some of it feels quite negative and and maybe also both of those things at the same time in terms of the internet and social media and connectivity and but then I was th the other day I was having a conversation with one of my friends and I realized that we'd had like we'd spoken about several things that we'd either watched or read or seen or listened to and we didn't really explain very much about what they were. We just sort of went, oh, I'll send it to you. So we're like, in a way, it's like I can I can just send you it and you can experience the whole thing as it was created to be experienced. But then does it mean that we don't develop this craft of like, well, it's happened and it was ephemeral, so you won't be able to experience. So I'll have to do my best to give you a taste of what what how it affected me or... Mm, and I think we we do do that but maybe not as much yeah actually that's really yeah that's really interesting and so maybe it's something I've not thought about before and I'm, I'm thinking about things like um like taking photos as well so you know we'll be out I'll be out on a walk and I'll take my camera with me and I'll take a snapshot whereas maybe in years gone by I would have just gone for the walk and just paused for a minute and looked at that view so I, the only place it existed was in my head. And similarly with stories, the only place some of those experiences exist are in my head. Yet now with, and it is mainly around technology, I guess, isn't it? Around video and blogging and whatever else it might be. It's much easier to be able to replicate that. Mm. And, and some of that's great because it means 
you can go for that walk and you can then come back and have that picture and go, oh, I've got this. And it's like, because you might just forget it. Whereas, so it's not, I'm, it's not like I'm totally anti all of the developments, but I'm just aware that I think it's probably changing how we do things. And maybe it changes what the storytelling is about, because previously perhaps the storytelling would have been about the experience itself or the thing you saw or the, you know, the bird you watched flying by or the, you know, child you watched playing or something like that. And that would be what the story's about. Now it's maybe more about your reaction to what you see. I don't know. Maybe there's a, so maybe that's what you talked about, that shift in what storytelling and stories mean. It's, yeah, it's how you then talk about them afterwards, which changes. And I th- and this year, I guess as well, we've maybe all had, or a lot of people have had more time to sort of consume more like personal media, whether that's like reading or watching films or like even like just researching stuff that that I've maybe read a lot more things that I know I'm interested in, but that I don't really know if other people are and it doesn't matter like because I'm not I don't know I get yeah I guess I've, I've watched lots of films that I maybe wouldn't have because I wouldn't have had time to because I would have not watched them with other people and I wouldn't have had as much time by myself so yeah mm. but then I, I also don't feel the need to like then explain the films to other people <laughs> and I think you know what the other thing that really you know interested me when you were talking earlier is is the idea that we don't experience things in the same way. So we can, um, you know, we can we can be part of the same thing or go to the same, even or we can go to the same show in the days where we could, um, or go on the same walk or do those kind of things and even be side by side. And yet our experiences of those are very different, depending on what we like, what we've experienced before, and those kind of things. And you know, the only way you can get that understanding is by talking and sharing. Um, and often it is really difficult to have, when when you experience something different, it is quite natural and easy to just almost dismiss the other view because it doesn't align with what you believe or that how you've experienced like your truth to be. Um, but yeah, having that time. And I wonder what it is about like the online experience and how, you know, the connections and, that's enabled us to kind of, have that time and kind of go oh that's interesting tell me more rather than shut it down and go I don't agree with that therefore I'm just gonna ignore it I think it I think AOB has felt like such a like um like an anomaly of an online space because I think most of the other things that I've done or I've been part of there's a lot more um constant noise I guess like there is there's not as much it doesn't it feels like we sort of all collectively learned how to be in that space if that makes sense Mm -hmm. in a way that was like you know permission for silence like a consideration for listening to each other actively and also and I don't know a sort of over time a kind of developing a sense of like actually I can maybe say this here and see how people respond and like you know I can I don't have to have it fully formed 
ready to like be digested I can have the half-formed idea and and see what what other people's responses are and that I mean that definitely does exist in other places but I I feel like online that's a lot harder to foster that kind of like I don't know like care for each other yeah and it is it's something I've often pondered you know what is it about these what is it about the spaces and I think um you know what you just talked about there in terms of you know appreciating sight respect for silence listening to others and those kind of things I feel like those are almost skills which I've been able to practice and perhaps in the real world say real world but in real life you know what was before maybe didn't maybe the pre maybe there was a whether it's a spoken or unspoken pressure almost to be perfect and have these formed ideas and not make mistakes and those kind of things. I don't know, maybe that's something I imposed on myself, but certainly it feels like I've been able to practice those skills much more in these environments. And now it's kind of like, well, okay, well, how do I keep hold of some of those? In a, and in the context of this conversation around those storytellers, to be really willing to listen to other stories and take the time not to judge but be curious about, oh, that's it. I'd not seen it that way. Okay, right. Let's, you know, help me understand or, you know, give me a, give me a bit more info on that sort of thing. So we'll kind of learn as we go along. Yeah, I think listening is so central. I've got another quote. Can I go yeah, and get right, another quote? quotes? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's never a limit on how many quotes or pieces of poetry or lyrics Oh, now I just need to find this. It's somewhere in there. It's somewhere in there. It's about listening. Love it. And I love it how these conversations just, we never have a plan as to where they're going to go. And they just kind of naturally spark, spark little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Diversionary paths? I don't know. Yeah, like new new paths. Yeah, or like tangents, maybe. Ah, oh, that's the word, yes. It's like we're exploring and you're kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Let's go and see where that one leads. Or something just jumps out. It's like you're going for a walk and something, actually not that this has ever happened to me, but something jumps out from the undergrowth and just <laughs> prompts you to run in a different direction. Oh, I know. I'm going to... Oh, I, I wish I had marked this. I was like, I'll remember where it is. Of course I won't. It's a really big book. <laughs> what book? Give us the book. Tell us what book it is. So the book is called Listening Publics, subheading The Politics and Experience of Listening in the Media Age. Wow. Um, it's by Kate Lacey. And it, I've, it was, I think it was published in like 2017, 18, 2013, ages ago. I mean, there's probably a lot that needs updated in it by now but it's I've I've just reread it because I felt like I kept thinking about things that I'm, I'm kind of interested in listening as a like political action <laughs> and how do we I mean not like political big p politics but just like what does and I think that we do need to practice it like you're saying I think we do need to learn how to listen and to practice doing it and that there are, again, different ways of listening in different contexts. And actually, that's, you know, linking that to storytelling, just, you know, while, while, you're, while you're searching for the quote, stories only maybe have meaning if somebody is listening. And maybe that's as simple as 
sometimes I talk out loud, like whether it's half-formed half ideas, and, and the process of expressing them somehow helps you, or certainly helps me kind of work out, okay, well, that bit didn't make sense, or I maybe need to refine that bit, or, oh, I haven't really thought about that. So almost that process of listening to myself talk out loud is helpful. But also then it's a, you know, it's a two-way or three-way or four-way, depending on how many people are involved, but it's like a relational thing because I'm telling a story and actually that story grows or breathes or has life because of somebody else listening to it. And it's amazing how many times in conversation you'll start telling a story and, oh, something similar happened to me and, oh, that reminds me of when. And you almost have a, like a conversation through stories. Yeah, and I think that that like listening is active, right? Like it's like participate. You can participate actively in something by just listening, and that can I think often be perceived as like passive. And also, you can like passively listen to things and or have them on in the background. But I think that. Yeah, that like sort of like, you know, having a right to be heard or having a right to a voice is like, well, if everyone like, yes, everyone should have those rights. But if nobody's listening to anyone, then what use are those rights to be heard if you also don't practice the right and the responsibility to listen to things? Mm. And I, I mean, I feel like also like I contradict myself in this because part of me is like, I want to listen more to people I don't agree with. And then I listen to people I don't agree with. And I'm like, this is terrible. I totally disagree with this person I don't want to listen to this anymore but I think and and that's okay isn't it I think it's it's sort of um maybe it's about the pressure you know we often put pressure on ourselves to be right or perfect or you know get what what should I be thinking what should I be listening to and it's you know giving ourselves the time and space to still own our own thing and and having given you the time and space and rambled you have the quote so go also Jane what you just said is like completely related no way because it says listening as a state of playfulness without purpose can itself be a site of resistance or escape so I love this idea of like just choosing to actively listen as like a way of being like no, I'm just really listening to what's happening or I'm choosing to stop doing something else and listen to this thing. Or I'm like, I don't, I I think of it, the sort of, I guess for me, I think of the playful listening in terms of uh, listening to, like deciding to listen to music and being like, I'm not going to listen to music while I'm doing something else. I'm just going to listen to music. I'm just going to sit down and put my headphones on and listen to this. And because I think some music really requires that, that's like complicated or there's a lot going on or that you can like reach a new part of it if you just listen. Like like a magic eye picture. Like if you look at a magic eye picture for ages and new things start appearing, although they don't actually happen to me because I have a lazy eye. So I actually can't do magic eye pictures. But from what I understand, you keep staring at it and new things appear or a new thing appears. And, it's and I think that music can be a bit like that. If you like actually like tune in to listen, you can discover new things in it. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think it's, it's the, it's interesting the words, you, you know, you choose to, you're choosing how you listen to something in different occasions. And so, you know, this word, listen, we kind of, you say, just listen. 
And it's almost like it's, it's really easy. All you have to do is listen. But actually, when you start delving into it, you know, you've, you've already mentioned active listening, passive listening, participatory listening, you know, almost maybe there's something about focused listening, choice about listening. So suddenly it becomes much more, and yeah, we, we throw around the word complex quite a lot, but actually it's an understanding of why am, what, why am I, why am I listening? What is it? And, I I, and listening, not just being about like what you can hear, like the, the way that we listen to or observe a body language or a, a visual language or you know a communication in a different way is also still kind of listening like I feel like sometimes I use the word listening and I just mean like connecting yeah but listening feels like it's more I don't know I don't know what the more something yeah and I I'm thinking about different experience, you know, different times of, and different forms of listening almost. And sometimes, like other people, it's, you're listening to their tone of voice. You're listening to um, or observing how they are and the energy. And you kind of get a sense of, and maybe the ebb and flow of stories. So when people are telling stories or, or sharing, and maybe it's not about telling stories, maybe it's sharing experiences, sharing perspectives. Maybe that's a, just a different take on it. But you see people when, you know, it's almost when it's coming up to the exciting part and they get animated or, you know, when it's a bit of a, yeah, I'm not really sure what happened there. And you kind of get a real sense of um, an ebb and flow of a story or a conversation. Yeah. Because maybe all conversations are kind of just stories. Like one story passing on to another story, which leads into another story. I, I like the idea also that like, where it's like stories are a constant like you're either listening to a story telling a story or experiencing something that you can then use as a story <laughs> in my head I've so I've got um I'm just thinking it's, it's just made me smile like um my husband my brother-in-law and my dad um have all played rugby at some point in their lives and uh, I've got this particular um story of like my brother-in-law scoring a try at some point and um sorry Carl if you're listening to this but, you know, it was like a literally a kind of get the ball and drop over the line. But every time he tells a story, like he beats one more player. And it's that big, you know, those stories become like this fairy tale story. But, you know, you have to embellish it a little bit and, you know, just add little bits to it just to make it like really part of the adventure. And, you know, thinking about um, my husband, Adrian, and I, you know, going climbing and, you know, having a bit of a an epic day on a mountain and, you know, there's rain and there's, and then you tell the story and you add a little bit more danger into it and you know those sorts of things just and then it changes your memory exactly yeah and you're like no that did happen we did that like yeah. or yeah it's like having a, a photograph from when you're a child and you're like oh yeah I remember that and you're like do I remember that or do I just have seen this picture and been told the story and now I've created the memory mm. and that's a whole other thing isn't it around then it opens up into imagination and what you know what realities or counter realities do we create for ourselves through imagination and stories um, and what can that open up in the world I, yeah I feel like imagination is like really key even in ways that I haven't worked out I haven't used my imagination enough to work out exactly how it's how, how useful it can be but I believe it is going to be more more and more useful yeah, and it's um so I watched a film and I can't I can't remember the name of the film or even who was in it 
And that's really glad, isn't it? Um, but anyway, the more... It was, it's because we're not very good at telling these stories anymore. You're like, I'll just find the link and send it to you. I'll tell you the moral of the story. It was about a young, uh, a young child who, you know, built up... Um, like, a guy moved into this um, village. He was um, kind of, you know... Um, you know, a bit of a, he had a bad life, but he used to be a writer. But I think if I remember rightly, his wife had died and he'd stopped writing and all those kind of things. And this little young girl, like, formed a bit of a, a, a friendship with this guy and was like, please, will you teach me? Basically, I think she bribed him to teach her how to write stories. And one of the, left, you know, he was like, well, what do you see? And she was, t- and uh, he was like, okay, what don't you see? She's like, what? Couldn't get this idea. And the moral was, the moral of this story was, imagination and great stories are about writing what you can't see it's about what's not there but what might be there or what could be there and that's about imagination opening things up um so if you look and see a blank room you could either just see a blank room or what could it be what can you create and I really like that yeah and the like fear of the like of like it, the unlimited right of like someone's like you can write a story about anything I'm like I don't know where to start <laughs> I also love a restriction when someone's like you can write a story about a fish and it needs to be a hundred words long I'm like great I'll go for it yeah and and that you know with, with story maybe it is you have a shared and perhaps with stories if you've got a shared experience or something that you share in common then that gives you a starting place to share some of your experiences whereas you know if, and maybe that's something around that we could learn in terms of you know we often focus on the differences but actually what we've we got in common let's just try and find something that we can both relate to however weird that might be I once had a coffee in Costa or what you know <laughs> so can we find something that we can both share and can we build on that rather than actually we're so different we can't even begin to have a conversation yeah, I feel like there is maybe there's maybe some yeah, some thinking to be done about like how do we form connections with people with because I mean sort of in like a world global future way. I'm like there's a lot of things that need to be about working together to solve things or to change things that if we sort of don't find those bits of common ground with people that we don't necessarily always see eye to eye with, then potentially there's the the sort of, it just, it keeps dividing people. And so then the sort of, even the things that you can connect on, you don't connect on because you don't even have the opportunity to find those connections. Mm-hmm. And I think like, I guess in terms of like equalities and climate justice and just justice in general, <laughs> Like, it feels like it needs a lot of work. It needs a lot of people to come together on various different things in order to make change happen. And how do you, like, sort of, you know, draw, make the big problems a bit smaller? I don't know. <laughs> you know, just what you're saying there makes me think back to something you said sort of early on in terms of, you know, you know, using our experience in terms of, you know, we haven't always agreed or seen things in the same way. And yet, maybe it's because we've kind of built that level of kind of trust and um, respect almost for each other in an environment that we're kind of able to go, okay, that's not how I see it. 
why is that? And then to be able to maybe unpick it a little bit more and still be actually, okay, I'm not quite there. I still have my own, but it just means that, you know, maybe I'm, I mean, I find it, I'm not so certain about things because somebody else just opens this little door of possibility through hearing their experience that you kind of go, okay, maybe there is something else. Um, so yeah, that, that I feel like that's really valuable. Yeah. Even that reminder to stay open mm. to, or and to recognize when when I'm just going, I think this, and then I've heard other people who agree with me, and so then we're that's that's universal, and then being like, oh, that's not universal, okay, I still think that, but I need to recognize that that's not universal, and I need to be aware of that and think about why that is, and yeah. Is it, you know, and I think I've said this with everybody I've spoken to in these COVID connections, like podcasters, that our paths wouldn't have crossed in like the real world. Um, you know, you're in Glasgow, I'm in Strathaya, you know, with different age groups, we do work in different sectors. Um, and yet that's been, that's for me again is, and maybe there's something in that is that, you know, we have automatically, there are so many different experiences actually I find it fascinating it's really interesting because I'm like oh this is this whole world I know nothing about but actually I'm finding a little bit more about it yeah I totally agree I think I feel like it's one of those things that we know is good to do but it's actually quite hard in practice to make happen like it we know that like mixing with people who are different ages who have different life experience who experience like various different parts of the world in various different ways we know like I feel like I just understand that that is a positive thing but we are also I feel like our society does quite a lot of work to keep us in our in our groups that we're in whether that's like age or gender or race or whatever that and sometimes that's also really important right I think as well like it's not to undermine like I think that's you know a friend of mine makes performances for people who uh have I think the term they use is extreme autism or like profound but I am I'm I'm not sure that that language is quite right or but basically it's it's very specifically targeted for people who experience the world in this different way and and different ways from each other but she says this thing about like actually having the opportunity to be the dominant culture is an important thing. And I think that feels like a, a place where you're like, you know, feel safe and recognised is important, but should not come at the expense of like never interacting with other people who aren't like you. Because like, I feel like the more, the older I get and the more people I meet and the, the more different the, just like the broader my ideas about how the world is and how people are and how more and more ridiculous this like narrow idea of like what people are supposed to be like or what the ideal is or what they we're aiming for just seems so ridiculous. So then it feels even, I guess I feel even more comfortable about like, you know, like transgressing from that or like moving away from those, that sort of idea of like, this is the right way or a good way. I'm like, yeah, but for who yeah. for this narrow section of society that and yeah so much in there that feels relevant like it feels important around um being around people who look like you who are like you and being able to feel that 
you're, you know, it's okay to be you. But and also then, um, you know, breaking out of those silos. And um, and I think there's something about being proactive about that and acknowledge it. So there's there's something about recognizing, okay, I am in, and it's you know, it, if you look around all your closest friends, probably you'll find that your closest friends are quite similar in a sense, or there'll be a lot of things that connect you because you know maybe it's uni or school or whatever you know that's how you meet people but actually being able to be proactive and kind of go okay and I think that's what the virtual world over the last 12 months has done is made it easier in a way because I think back what networking or things would I have gone to and it's probably things that I would find out about because they were in my sphere of awareness um and maybe I've become a bit braver and kind of gone oh that looks interesting I'll just go because I'm in the safety of my own home, I just have to click a button. I don't have to make an effort to go somewhere, um, and then being open to kind of going, hmm, "This is quite interesting." Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to stick around for a bit. <laughs> and yet, we we wouldn't have had, you know, maybe it would be more difficult to do that, and we'd have to be, you know, we'd have to make more of an effort in a world where it was all in person, and you'd have to travel. Particularly, you know, me living, kind of, you know, 45 minutes from the nearest big town, kind of thing. You think actually you have to be quite proactive and make those conscious choices. Do you think that you will try and do more of that in in, in the in the in the meat space in the in the real world, like beyond this? Then do you think that this has like opened up a sort of? Do you think it's made you more brave to do it in in like the physical world? Good question. Good question. And. My immediate reaction and answer is yes. Um, I think the caveat on that is as long as I keep giving myself and making sure I've got the things that I need to be brave to do that. And some of that might be familiarity of people um, and you know, maybe it's small steps. Um, but I think, and also I think for me, the biggest thing that maybe I'll take forward is how can I, so in the stuff that I deliver or I facilitate, how can I take some of this thing, these things that I've learned to bring to life so that they aren't just things that I've done online and things that I learned in COVID. Actually, they're things that now I translate to that real world, which I really, you know, I genuinely hope will be, you know, for example, meeting people in person. You know, that feels quite scary, but quite exciting at the same time. Um, and then, yeah, how does that become, how do I... How do I find ways to put myself in more situations which I know will be beneficial? But maybe what I'll have maybe what I'll need to do in real life is be a bit more, I don't know, planned or conscious or um, okay, I can't go to something in London, but actually I could go to something in Edinburgh, for example. Yeah, and maybe being open to like looking or um or being ready so that because maybe it is like, you know, I might be like, Jane, this thing's happening, you should come, and being like, oh, okay, like, yeah. I guess also there's like this sort of is there potential that these connections that we've developed in this time also might be a way into some of these more real world or I'm not the online world is also a real world I'm not sure like, kind of oh, it's the real world on it's but actually it is our real world yeah you're right it is I feel like I'm I've definitely fall into that trap of being like the virtual world and the real world and I'm like that's not true like one of them is just like we're just experiencing them in different ways, but they're both real. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, just I think um, in a minute I'll invite you to maybe just provide us, you know, a, maybe a reflection on what you'd like to leave people with. Um, and for, for me, just maybe responding to that in a way, you know, I think definitely I think 
the opportunities that it's opened up for if you say in a few months time oh we've got this workshop it'd be great I'd be there definitely um and you know similarly with others because it's kind of you know what I've seen is the excitement and the enthusiasm and the passion that you bring along and I'm kind of like right if Geraldine's doing something it's probably going to be quite fun and quite entertaining and quite um, challenging probably as well um and yeah it just feels like a nice way into a new world that I perhaps don't know anything about and being open to that and curious about it to go oh yeah because I kind of think I want to see you in action like in your like sector and in what you do every day and similarly with others I've talked to like Jack and others it's like it, you know, that opportunity to see people in their worlds um, I think is quite exciting I think curiosity is like absolutely key I think that's the word that maybe it's like that it comes back to to connect all of the things because I think that curiosity yeah is like absolutely vital and I think if we sort of I feel like we quite often like afford it to children and we forget that we're allowed to be curious as adults and maybe that's something we need to remember that like sort of playfulness and curiosity are like valid ways of trying to understand the world and we we are never necessarily going to get to a point where we do but we probably good to keep trying (laughs) so let's take let's take that to finish playfulness curiosity that's a really good way to explore the world so excellent thank you for joining me Geraldine thanks so much Jane it's so nice to chat and I look forward to um definitely coming to one of your sessions and seeing you in action yeah great um, I mean I need to work out what that's going to be but maybe yeah maybe I'll try I feel like who knows what the next few months are going to be like you have been listening to the coffee and conversation podcast the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen my thanks again to my guest Geraldine Heaney and also to you for listening until the next time take care